Welcome everyone. I have spent a lot of time the last few weeks talking with local veterans one-on-one -on -one to hear their personal experiences while in the service and then sharing about their life as a veteran. I had the great opportunity to speak with Sean. He is from Minot and a veteran. And I'm going to highlight some of the key takeaways from the video call that we had that lasted a little over two hours. Our conversation started out with him talking about how he, along with many other veterans, state that they enjoyed and loved the work that they did, but they hated who they worked for. He went on to explain how the good old buddy system was to blame for a lot of the hardships in the workplace. For those who haven't heard of this before and don't know exactly what it means, from the best of my knowledge, this has been something that service members have been speaking about for a very long time. This is nothing new, which is why it's still an issue today. The system allows certain service members to advance in their careers or to be given certain protections from consequences or punishments just based on who they know or because of their rank. For instance, you could have someone in leadership get a DUI, but because of their rank, they will be given a slap on the wrist. Whereas if a younger enlisted member gets a DUI, they are typically punished to the full extent. It just really kind of comes down to favoritism. Those in positions that hold the power to decide a person's fate is often determined by whether they know the person like the person or the rank. This keeps good airmen from promoting because, as Sean put it, it doesn't matter how hard you work or how well you do at your job. If you are not in the in-group or have close connections with the right people, you aren't going to go anywhere. This is another reason why he actually preferred to go on deployments because that's where he felt he got away from that system and didn't have to worry about anybody trying to sabotage him. People on deployments, from his perspective, become really close and, and they look out for each other. It's just a really different environment uh, being overseas than it is being on the base. In addition to the good old buddy system, he talked quite a bit about the complete lack of empathy that leadership have for airmen who come forward and talk about their struggles. Many times they hear responses like, quit making excuses, it can't be that bad, man up. Then when they seek mental health help, they get into more trouble because it takes them away from work or it takes away from responsibilities that they had before. And they fear this even after having these responsibilities and, and duties taken away from them. Then they are looked at like they are just trying to get out of work. There's no win-win in these situations until leadership understands that when you encourage airmen to go get help, it is going to take away from the job. Yet the culture has such a strong stigma around mental health and then they wonder why suicides happen. He said, I remember one time talking about needing help and seeking mental health uh, services and their response had zero sympathy. And I turned around and replied saying, blood is on your hands. This is exactly why airmen kill themselves. Instead of hearing the truth behind the statement, 
They took it as a threat and asked me and said, Is that a threat? And here I'm thinking, how did you get that from what I just said? That's really what you took from it? Are you serious? I jumped in and, and told Sean, this is honestly the most classic narcissistic response that you can get. They create the culture and the barriers, and then when someone tells them the cold facts, they turn it around on you by making it about them. He added saying that when airmen continue to experience and witness the stigma for so long, and they, and they cover it and they hide it like they're supposed to, then when it gets to be too much and you have a moment where you have an outburst, then they turn around and see you as being completely irrational and that something is wrong with you. Again, they use it against you, but only when you've hit your limit. And then even when you do hit your limit and seek help, then they put you under the microscope and find any and every way to write you up for things. And so it continues to stack up. And here I'm thinking, you know, why beat somebody down when they are already feeling down in life? It adds more unnecessary stress on them. And Sean says, well, they get too focused on waiting for you to screw up because it's, it's easier for them to, to write you up than to fix the problem in the first place comes back to prevention. They only care about correcting bad behavior when it happens than preventing it in the first place. He mentioned a time when there was a commander's call at the end of the day that he was not, um, that was last minute and wasn't expecting. And so while his phone had died, he had asked uh, his supervisor if he could quickly drive home, which was right on base, to let his wife know that he was going to be late coming home because she had no other way to contact him. They told him no. In his mind, he was trying to do the right thing by communicating with his wife why he would be home two hours late. But leadership didn't see it that way and didn't see the importance or the reason behind doing so. Something simple like going home for you know a quick five minutes, again, trying to do the right thing, and reduce the potential for the wife to question what was going on or, or leading to an argument was not taken seriously. Yet he was trying to take the initiative and he wasn't able to do so. He talked also about waivers. He said, people who get waivers also get treated poorly. And there are so many different types out there. He said he had one for, um, for PT which changed the standard of the Russian portion of the test. Even though he had one approved, he was still looked down on it for having it, as well as other airmen who do. Again, why have a waiver system in place if they're going to face, you know, being looked down on just for having it? And... Some airmen even fear just trying to get waivers because they don't want people to look at them differently or think they're any less because of it. Sean thinks a lot of the issues stem from leadership and the organization as a whole thriving off of instilling fear and humiliation on airmen because it keeps them in line. 
The system works only for those who are willing to be robotic because it's easier to blame someone when they don't follow something than fixing the problems to begin with. I jumped in and talked about how at that point, to me, it just sounds like it's more of a control mechanism. You know, once they start to lose that grip of control, they start to kind of to freak out and and then that's when it's easier to just make life hard for the airmen. He went on to talk about how he really feels like the organization just honestly hopes that you're not going to get help, that you're not going to seek those services. And that type of mentality carried with him as a veteran because he said you're not taught about how to speak up for yourself and to seek help. It took him years to learn how to advocate for himself as a veteran without feeling uncomfortable or just feeling weird doing it. One point he brought up about that is because he thinks they don't want you talking bad about the military while you're in. And again, to me, it's, it sounds dangerous because airmen need protections when they come forward about stuff. And he said, they just will really go out of their way to stop you from getting help, no matter what you do. They're going to come down on you for it. And this became a really strong point when he talked about seeking mental health services outside of the military. He said he feels leadership pushes for mental health Uh, especially on base, because it's their way of being able to document and keep track of you. You're less likely to say something or bring up concerns about the Air Force to someone on base than you are on the inside, just for those reasons. Sean stated, airmen want to talk to someone that has zero ties because that makes them feel comfortable and safer. He said, the organization fears privatized care because... It doesn't serve leadership. To me, that signifies that there's already a problem. If the organization is fearful of people stepping forward and saying, quote unquote, those bad things, if they aren't doing the bad things, then they wouldn't have to worry about that. And it seems... Too many things are set in place to appease leadership than the well-being and the focus on, on being helping the airmen. And an orga- organization needs to understand that they're going to have their imperfections. And by keeping people from speaking out, that actually makes them look bad. He went on to talk about a friend who was put up for first sergeant training and he said when he first talked to him about it, it was, it was really hard for him to encourage him to do it. And I asked him to kind of expand on that. He said he didn't want his friend to change and that's exactly what that position does to people. Just to take a step back and kind of explain what a first shirt is, it's that middle person or position between command and the airman below a first shirt. So when something happens with an airman and they're struggling, a first shirt steps in and helps navigate them, and report, but also reports back to command about what's going on. He said his friend was an excellent leader 
and that many airmen looked up to him because they were able to talk to him. They were able to approach him. They knew that they were going to, you know, he would, they were going to be taken care of. But he was afraid of that all changing because it's a totally different outlook and game plan when you work directly for leadership. And because ultimately what happens with, with airmen affects leadership, first shirts are also wanting to protect their jobs. And with that comes doing what command says to do. This just really makes me think more about how there's just such a huge issue with, with leadership. People shouldn't have to fear them to keep their jobs and to sometimes do things that aren't the right thing, but it's because command told them to do so. Sean brought up an interesting idea about putting into place a secret shopper study on bases so that people could see firsthand how airmen are treated. He said, you know, we need someone to go undercover because there's so much that happens behind the scenes that people don't know about. They don't see it unless you're there and you're, you know, in the shop and, and you experience it. There's too many ways to hide what happens because no one feels they can speak up. And again, this all just goes back to fear. I think this would be an excellent idea because I, I would think you would need someone, um, I don't know what would be better, someone that's extremely high up and, and in the organization to see firsthand as long as they didn't discredit or weren't being honest exactly about what they would see or someone completely from the outside. I don't know. But either way, I think it's going to take someone to really see what's going on and to talk about it uh, that isn't going to have leadership in the back of their mind keeping them from saying what, what needs to be said. Uh, another topic, a major topic he talked about was seeking benefits after the service and the process of finding the right resources to help you. The number one thing he emphasized was, so if anyone is active and listening to this, he said, document each and every injury you encounter in the service because the VA will not go out of their way to research this for you. So you need to make sure you have everything ready to give to them. The more prepared you are, the more it's going to hopefully speed up an already slow process. You know, don't be afraid to ask about something that you could potentially qualify for. You never know what you could qualify for, even for something that happened several years ago. You know, as long as you've got that documented, it will help you. There are a lot of hidden benefits that many veterans in active duty don't know about. He said, you really have to just, you have to be willing to fight for it. You know, this is where advocating for yourself is going to make a huge impact on, at least on the benefit side of things. He talked about a local organization where he was able to find someone who really did a phenomenal job at getting his disability rating increased. There are people who will go above and beyond to help you. 
but a lot of it, like he said, you just have to make sure that you are uh, doing your own research and realizing that there's not always going to be someone there to do that for you. So look into organizations and find out what they can do for you. Because there's a lot of organizations that do certain things that others don't. So it just it's going to be based on, on the organization itself. But an interesting topic that kind of came up from that was how there are, you know, even on the ACTA side and with veterans, how they are actually kind of scared to fight for their benefits because they're also scared of being looked down on. Now, if you think about it, the military pulls people in just based on benefits alone, health care, education, and you know, a lot of, and disability as well, you know, it's, you know, they, they talk about, you know, we, we've got you covered. We're going to make sure you're taken care of while you're in and when you get out. And unfortunately, many cases, it's, it's the complete opposite. My stance on that is that veterans have earned their benefits and should never feel bad for wanting to claim them. But after talking with Sean, it really makes sense why they are scared to go after those benefits and to speak up for themselves. It's a pattern. It really is. And it's, it's scared that veterans have to work hard to get out of that mentality, to get out of that fear that they feel. And, uh, you know, to me overall, I just hear and see that there's too much power and too little protections for our younger enlisted or for those who aren't in leadership. I really enjoy talking with Sean and he gave me a lot of really good new perspectives on all of these topics. And, you know, we really did come to the conclusion that uh, it's like, just like It doesn't matter how well you do at your job. You're not going to get the credit for it. You're not going to move up unless you know the right people. The same concept can be put at, you know, the DOD and the Air Force have all of the statistics and research there readily accessible. They know about it. And it doesn't matter how much people talk about it. It's not going to change anything. They still are not willing to make the changes that they need. You know, they need to be willing to compromise to an extent. When we talk about things like PRP and confidentiality, there has to be a middle ground. There has to be a middle ground between, like I had mentioned in one of my other episodes, getting the mission done, but also allowing and making it easier for airmen to seek services and get the help that they need. But seeing the just a total lack of remorse and empathy for when service members die by suicide is always going to be very concerning to me. It's just, it's very frustrating to continue to see this happen. And Sean did a great job just really kind of tying in all of this. And and I'm I just never really thought too much about the fear aspect of it, and it makes sense. Sadly, it makes sense, but it does. 
And so it's just something I kind of want to look into a little bit further. And um, I'm just kind of curious of what kind of changes can be made around that, you know, just because things have been the, the way that they have been for so long doesn't make it right, doesn't make it constructive, doesn't make it healthy. And that's something that the DOD is just really going to have to to realize and, and to do some reflection on. There's nothing wrong with trying to change things, especially when the goal is to save lives and to help people. I spoke to another veteran and right off the bat, what we talked about was favoritism and the buddy system and how it is very detrimental to airmen's ability to progress in their career. She was an airman who spoke her mind. She would speak up for herself when something didn't seem right, something didn't feel right, or she saw something that didn't seem fair to her, she would speak up. And because she did that, she was not looked at very well, and she was considered this problem child, and things just kind of started to go downhill quickly for her. When she first got to the base, they were she was already married. They were trying to get her into the dorms until they found housing and her husband was able to get up here and she was saying, I was not, you know, she was saying, I'm not comfortable with that. I would rather just get a hotel. I am married. The dorm is not where I should be at. And yet they were still pushing for her to do it. And it took her to really push back and say, I am not comfortable with this. And you guys should not be asking me to do that. Did they finally give in and let her get a hotel instead? And she realized very soon after that, that her speaking up was something that was not going to be taken very lightly. She would speak up for not just herself, but for other airmen who would get a DUI and get demoted or get a stripe taken from them. But then someone else who may be a tech sergeant and above would have virtually nothing happen to them. Younger airmen are still at, you know, at the core of getting punished to the full extent, and they still are held to a higher standard than a lot of other people are, especially those in leadership. And she just it did not sit well with her. She, you know, had seen a lot of times where they would continue to pick people who were within a certain network for promotions and that really bothered her because you can have someone who does the same amount of work, does quality work, and they'll be passed up just because they're almost like a nobody to to leadership. She was an airman that wouldn't just sit there and take the treatment and and take being forced to believe that something was wrong with her. Instead of taking those opportunities to hear what she had to say and let her elaborate on it and admit, yes, 
we did something we probably shouldn't have done. I can see where you are seeing this as favoritism or that it is favoritism if they would admit to the to the problem initially. And when she was pregnant, she felt like this kind of just started to spiral even more out of control. When she was pregnant, she was seen more as challenging because of appointments or because she slipped and fell one day and she sought emergency medical treatment instead of going to work. I mean, she let them know about it. It's not like she just didn't show up for work, but she let them know, I'm in the hospital because I fell and I, I'm doing this because I'm, I'm worried about my, my child, my unborn baby. And when she got back to work, she had an, an LOR waiting for her. And she said, well, you know, what the heck? Why am I being, why am I in trouble for doing what I needed to do to take care of my baby and what I needed to do to take care of me? And they just didn't see it that way. She said it was extremely difficult for her to be a new mother and to feel shamed for being a mother. You know, she talked about how the Air Force pushes and talks about how we're going to take care of the family and you, you do what you need to do to take care of yourself. Yet every time she did, she found herself in more trouble. And each time that she would rebuttal an LOR or someone talking to her about something that she had done wrong, she would just see the paperwork stack up. And each time that you try to advocate for yourself ends up being more paperwork. So when you get out and, you know, you have your stack of medical papers and everything else, she said she feels like they kind of use that against you to say, yeah, you know, this airman pushed back a lot. Look at all this paperwork that we have for her. Instead of why do we have so many airmen having to come back and say, hey, this isn't right, this wasn't fair. And looking at that first, then seeing an airman who is vocal and that being a good thing, it really ties into what Sean was talking about where they don't want you to speak up for yourself. They don't want you to advocate for yourself because when you do, it's bringing to light what's wrong with the system. So I was really encouraged by her and I told her, keep speaking up, keep speaking out. And I hope someday that there will, there will be more protections in place for airmen to speak up, especially when it comes to maltreatment and them kind of pitting the, the system against them. She said, you're kind of screwed either way. You're, you're screwed if you don't get help. And you're screwed when you do. So what are you supposed to do? And when it came to when she had uh, another child and it came down to, you know, she was needing to get some help with the child care aspect of it, they didn't look at it the same way she did. And they didn't really help her find solutions. It was figure it out. Or when she wanted to make time to go to events for her kids, it was looked at bad again. 
And I really feel for her because, especially being a new mother, and you choose a certain way to provide for your child, to nourish your child, and not be able to have those things available to you. And when they did, it was just, again, looked at bad because you're actually using what they're giving you, the tools that they're giving you. And I've heard this a couple times, but it was brought up how she said they need to quit weaponizing these tools. And if you're going to continue to weaponize the tools, then get rid of the tools. And of course, we can't do that because that's what other way is the organization going to say, well, this is how we're, how we're helping. This is how we're trying to fix the issues with mental health barriers. And what we kind of brought up, which really, really kind of put things into perspective is, is you can have all the programs in place. You can have all the right wording. Everything look nice and great. But it's not going to matter because so many are so fearful of the system. They're scared to actually use them. And this has all been stuff that veterans have been talking about for years. And yet here we are and we're still dealing with it. She said a lot of things that she was subjected to and the things that she had dealt with while being in the service, same thing. She's still dealing with the aftermath years after. To have leadership discourage airmen from seeking out benefits that they're, that they're entitled to or to get them into further trouble and make life even harder for them for seeking help is all wrong on so many different levels. It's like we continue to blame the victim. We continue to blame those that just, you know, don't want to wait until something bad happens because a lot of times that's what happens. She said, airmen don't want to talk about it and they try to hide it all because that's what they're told to do. But they they wait for you to slip up. And once you slip up, it's really hard to get back on your feet. It's hard for them not to continue to come down on you. It's very, very similar to everything that Sean and I had talked about. These stories are nothing anybody is making up. There is a reason why these stories exist and there's a reason why they continue. I'm on a mission to figure out why and to really push for changes to be made. I encourage everyone to get onto social media and follow a lot of your government officials' platforms and get into conversations in there. Read what other people are saying. A lot of the responses are coming from active duty or from our veterans and from families who have been affected by it. Be part of the conversation, use your voice, use what you can to advocate for them. I'm doing as much as I can and I'm going to continue as always because 
I am tired of statistics being ignored. I'm tired of veterans' voices being ignored. I'm tired of active duty being ignored. I'm tired of all these issues being ignored. And it's time that we get leadership in place who are going to turn things around and not care about their own personal gain. They're not going to care about the next rank. They're going to care about doing what is ultimately right and put well-being and success for our service members first.